We live in a strange time in history where there are buildings set up in cities where parents, women, mothers take their children to be murdered. It's bizarre. We're going to be talking about that a little bit today on the program. As well, I'm going to be talking to someone who spent time in jail because of their faith. And that was in the United States. It's not some overseas third world Muslim country. It's happening here in America. And we'll talk to her today on the program. So stick around. Activist Radio, the Mark Harrington Show, is brought to you by Created Equal, the pro-life organization that committed to taking abortion victim photography and video to college and high school campuses and other venues all across North America. And you can find out more by going to createdequal.org. The program is uh, can be found 24-7 on all the popular podcasting platforms, and you can follow me on social media, on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and all the other popular websites. So today, we're going to have an update from my good friend, Dr. Monica Miller from uh, Citizens for a Pro-Life Society. She's out of jail. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And she also uh, published a piece in Crisis Magazine that caught my attention talking about sidewalk counseling. And I would assume that a lot of people listening to the sound of my voice or watching the program knows what that is. But we're going to talk about what that is and how important it is to the pro-life movement. And we're going to be talking about uh, a recent assault that took place in Baltimore, Maryland, at a Planned Parenthood. And you might think to yourself, okay, we talk about those all the time here on the program because we're getting assaulted. Our stuff is getting uh, our, our, our equipment, our signs and so forth is getting vandalized. Doesn't seem like anything new. Well, this one is. And so we're going to be talking about that today on the program. Dr. Monica Miller, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thank you. So, Monica, you just got out of jail. Let's start there. Uh, you know, when, when I talk about pro-lifers going to jail, most people think, oh, that's the days of Operation Rescue three decades mm-hmm. ago. Uh, what, what did you do to end up in jail? Well, um, I participated in a red rose rescue. Um, we've had about 35 of these rescues since 2017. I wish I could say we've had 90, but okay, 35. And so I organized and participated in a red rose rescue at the Northland family planning abortion center in Southfield, Michigan. That would have been April of 2022. I was joined by five others, including Father Fidelis Moshensky and Matthew Connolly, Laura Geis, Elizabeth Wagi, Jacob Greger. And uh, we uh, went into the waiting room. Well, actually only three, three of us went into the waiting room and three of us stayed in the hallway. This is an abortion center that's on the second floor of a large building with a lot of other businesses surrounded by a very large, very deep parking lot, which makes sidewalk counseling very difficult, if not, if not impossible. So to be able to go really close, you know, actually in the clinic, talk to the moms, offer them words of encouragement, give them all, you know, help, practical help. We offer them roses. Three of us stayed in the hallway. Um, 
and uh, we were able to talk to every mom getting off the elevator, walk down the hallway with them. So this is the this is the last opportunity these women will ever have mm-hmm. to say yes to life. Um, so what what so makes this different, woman. Monica? If I would, I want to make sure we understand the distinction between a traditional rescue, which we understand if you've been following me and pro-life activism, my my followers or whatever the people listen to this program understand Operation Rescue in the days when we were blocking the entrances. Right. This is a little different than that, isn't it? Yeah, we don't block anything. And so we have never been charged with the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act. We are not there to quote unquote pro, simply protest abortion. I don't have a problem with that, of course. Right. But we don't block the doors. We're there to reach out to these moms and to, and to do everything we can to persuade them in those last minutes before they walk down the hallway of death to kill their babies. If the moms don't leave, at least some of the rescuers have to stay. And I mean, that's a very important spiritual, practical component of a Red Rose rescue. We will not leave the abandoned unborn children who are literally about to be exterminated. We will abide with them. We will continue to witness to the sanctity of their lives. And that's where the element of arrest possibly comes in. And because uh, we, we tell the police why we're there, we can't leave. We're not gonna leave these, these innocent human beings uh, to simply go to their deaths without somebody to continue to witness to them. So we were indeed arrested. We were tried in February. We're denied a defense of others uh, because the unborn, at least in the state of Michigan, in the post-Roe right. landscape are not recognized as others. Yeah, uh, especially so no now harm. with your constitutional amendment when it was passed. Well, yeah, it's, 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 a mess. It's, it's a big yeah. mess. And we're praying and hoping that Ohio will be spared what we went through exactly. here in Michigan. But in any case, uh, here's the thing, and I'm going to make this really short. So we got, we were convicted in February. We had a great attorney, uh, Robert Muse of the American Freedom Law Center. He did everything. He's an amazing attorney. But without that defense, we were arguing uh, strictly on technicalities of what elements go into a a trespass charge and so on and so forth. So we had our sentencing on March 30th. Now, here's the thing. We could have walked out of that courtroom in good conscience, even under probation. Um, but this particular judge, Cynthia Arvant, imposed a five. One of the conditions of the probation was that we had to remain 500 feet from every single abortion center in the United States of America for a period of 18 months. And not only did she impose it, but she required us to agree to it. Mm. And there was no way we could do that in conscience. Um, We had a similar uh, bond uh, probation restriction back in 2018, but that judge did not require an agreement. And then myself and Will Goodman and Matthew Connolly, we broke that probation condition and went to jail later on, let's just say on our own schedule. Okay. But at this particular uh, sentencing, we had no choice, and we were immediately um, taken into custody uh, from from the sentencing. I, I had a 45-day sentence. Uh, Laura Geis had a 60-day sentence, and Matthew Connolly and Father Fidelis, but two of them are still in jail 
uh, with a with a 90 day sentence. So the, the difference in the sentences had to do with how many recent convictions did we have regarding Red Rose Rescue. And since I still have a trial pending and I had a not guilty verdict, actually, God be praised. And thank you, Robert Muse. Um, I had the less of the of the convictions. So I had the lesser sentence and so on. But it gets a little complicated that way. Right. But Matthew Connolly will be out June 6th. Father Fidelius Christopher Moshensky will be out June 12th. And everything is up on our website. You can still message them through the through the smart jail mail. You can write them letters. And all of that's up on ProLifeSociety.com, our website. All the information you need to, to, uh, to talk to them, to message them, to write to them, and so on. My guest is Monica Miller, and she's an author, pro-life activist, also written the book Abandoned. Yeah, here we go. Let me get a shameless plug for my book. Well, no, you know, it's interesting, uh, Monica, if you look back in our history, I had not met you, but I read your book, and then I called you and said, I think it is the best pro-life book in in the sense that it recounts the days of Operation Rescue and some of the civil disobedience, so-called, and just the stories of valor and courage that are contained in the book are an inspiration and were an inspiration continue to be for me and others. And you can pick up that book uh, if you go to their website at ProLifeSociety.com. And folks, if you want to know more about Red Rose Rescue, there's a website set up called RedRoseRescue.com. That's RedRoseRescue.com. Well, Monica, we're glad you're out of jail. But uh, the reason I wanted to bring you on, not only because you're out of jail, that's important, but I want to talk about this piece you wrote in Crisis Magazine. And what caught my eye was your reference to The Catchers in the Rye, uh, the book written by J.D. Salinger, which I would assume most of my followers, listeners, viewers are familiar with. And that's what caught that's what caught my eye. I want to read the portion that leads the story. And it says this, I've come, this, this is the main character Holden in the book talking about how he's, you know, rescues children. I've come out. I have to come out from somewhere and catch them. He's talking about the children. That's all I do all day. I just be the catcher in the rye and all. I know it's crazy, but that's the only thing I'd like to be. I know it's crazy. And when I read that, I thought, that's a, that's me. <laughs> that, that's you. <laughs> that's hundreds, if not thousands of pro-life activists across the country who this is all they want to do. They want to save babies, and people think they're crazy, and they're probably the most sane people in the world. And right, that's well, why yeah, I thought that, that the story is, uh, is so cool. So let's talk yeah, about the story. Let's talk about yeah, the uh, the piece, if you would. Uh, why sure. did you want it? Why did you play on the catchers in the rye? First of all, well, actually, I I used that uh, that quote, part of that quote, in before one of my chapters in in my book, abandoned. So I kind of mm-hmm. already had had that idea, but you know, Holden. Um, sees himself as, as standing towards the edge of a cliff. Right. And what he has to do is he has to prevent the children from falling over the cliff in this field of rye. Mm-hmm. And 
So when you're standing outside of an abortion clinic or you're doing a rescue or you've got your, you know, you're, you're outside of a clinic praying or you're holding a sign or, you know, being, being an activist on the street, um, trying to reach out to people, that's what we're trying to do to prevent yeah. innocent children uh, oh. from falling off the cliff, the cliff yeah. of abortion, the cliff yeah. of legalized abortion, the cliff, the cliff of being unwanted. And uh, so I can I interrupt for a second? Because I, I, the other thing that I it's interesting that you mentioned in this, that what we're seeing is unprecedented in human history. And that is, yes. we have buildings set up, businesses where women, mothers take their children to be killed right. almost in every major city in the United States. We've come to, you know, become familiar with it unfortunately but this is unprecedented in human history what yes, we're it seeing is. yeah and i note that at the beginning of the article that the first time in the history of the human race there are actual places where innocent human beings are exterminated by their parents and yeah, I, I, want people to, I want that to sink in with our viewers and listeners this is a yeah. time like none other right so, but here's the other, here's the, here's the flip side, if you will. That means that we have an opportunity to Amen. save people from abortion. I mean, we, you, right. you can stand outside of these clinics and talk to the moms. And look, there's no question that if we hadn't, if we haven't, if we're not out there reaching out to the moms, the, the, babies, the babies have been saved. Moms have been helped. By now, probably tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands since, since yeah. the beginning of, the, of legalized abortion. So you have the opportunity to do a very, very um, beautiful work of love. Um, and you, you actually could save, save someone from being put to death. You know, you call it the backbone of the pro-life uh, yeah. movement. You know, that kind of struck me because... You look at our movement and you see us, much of us involved in the political, where it's an issue, right? It's a political issue that we debate. And there's pro-life apologetics, which we try to train people on how to argue for the unborn, the case for the unborn. Right. All important, by the way. I'm not minimizing yeah. that. But you say it's the backbone, sidewalk counseling uh, presence at abortion clinics. You you call it the backbone of pro-life movement. Why do you refer to it that way? Because I think we're in a, we're in a social justice cause, and mm. we're we're in a situation where literally every day over a thousand unborn children will be um, murdered with the yeah. sanction of of law, and. Mm -hmm. When you're out, my point is we have to be there where the injustice is happening. Right. This is this is not a, 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 a an idea. This is not a philosophical concept. This is real murder, mm -hmm. and um, so it's important for us to to actually be at the place where the injustice is take is occurring. Right. So that's why that's why I say it's the background. Well, and and I when I passed this on to my staff and others, I made that case. I made the case that, you know, we even I often get, you know, wrapped up in the day to day of running a ministry or training people to be pro-life apologists and, and so forth and so on. 
And we can actually lose sight of the very thing that we're here to do, which is to rescue children. Right. Um, you know, and I, you know, I know that sidewalk counseling is very difficult. I've, I've spent mm. thousands of hours outside of abortion centers. God bless my husband. He's the one now going out every week uh, talking the most broken, needy women out of abortions in, the, in, in Detroit, um, Michigan. Uh, I've got lots of women that I continue to help literally, I am not exaggerating, years after I've talked them out of the abortion and the baby was born. In fact, it's part of my article right. is, uh, is how I, I um, had that meeting with Darius um, 37 years <laughs> after I, I talked his mother out of the abortion that saved him. So it's, uh, that was like There's said, two, two very, very cool uh, stories in, in your article. Of course, your book is full of them. One is the one about Darius, but the other one also caught me, and that is the story of of, of Lila. Right. Now you lost two, but you saved one. If you would just share that story for our for our right. Our, um, this had to be at least, this was. Oh gosh, I got to remember. I'm gonna. I forget the exact year it was, but it's been a while. Um, I tried to talk a woman out of an abortion. Um. She was pregnant with uh, with twins. So at, at the time, I didn't know it, and she didn't know it either. Um, I talked to her, and I was hoping that we would meet meet up and have lunch or dinner or whatever, but she kept avoiding me for about four or five days, and I was really panicking. And I knew that – I knew the day, and I knew where she was scheduled to, to have her abortion. And uh, this was, again, I kind of ironically at the Northland Family Planning Abortion Center, where I just did this rescue last year <laughs> and went to jail for 30, 34 out of the 45 days. So right. I was not reaching Lila. And I knew from my experience, Mark, that when the communication dries up, yep. that's a bad sign. Yep. And so I was anticipating that she was going to go through with the abortion I was not able to be there the morning of her appointment, though I did have um, a student of mine at the clinic to try and intercept Lila. But in any case, the night the night before her abortion, I got the idea to go to the uh, to go to the building. I knew there was a bathroom, uh, a public bathroom, if you will, down the hall from the mm -hmm. abortion center. And, and this is right off of the elevator. So, it's, it, you know, it's it's possible that a mom scheduled for abortion would go into that women's uh, room and use it before she goes, you know, to the clinic. Sure. So I had these old pamphlets from Guadalupe Workers, which is my husband's group. And I, I left them in, in that bathroom. I, I kind of, you know, stealthily put them in places where they wouldn't be seen right away in case the abortion staff went in there. And then they would have wound up in the trash, but I put them in the stalls and you could only see them if you were actually in the stall using the stall. And, and so that was my hope that maybe Lila would go in there. She'd see the pamphlet and that would be a way to, that I would be able to continue to try to save her baby. Well, all right. Uh, sad story. She, she did abort the baby. She aborted, she had the abortion and she, and she aborted twins. <laughs> Mm -hmm. All of this was coming back to me from her coworker. Uh, so this is the way that I had gotten in touch with uh, Lila to begin with. I was devastated. I truly was devastated. I tried so hard to reach her and to save 
to save her from getting that abortion. And then she winds up aborting twins. She abort and then she aborts them on a, on a Catholic holy day. I mean, for me, that was very significant. The, the feast of the Immaculate Conception. And I thought, oh my God, it can't get any worse. But then about two days later, um, Edmund, my husband Edmund, walks in the living room and he says, hey, we just got a phone call from some, some mom because the Guadalupe workers phone number was on the pamphlet that I left in the bathroom. And he said, some woman called us who was going to get an abortion and now she's made an appointment to see us. And so that those pamphlets that were meant for Lila saved another baby. So I... It's you awesome know, never, never give up, you know, never give up. give up. Well, what I love about you is your persistence in the book abandoned is all kinds of stories like that. And even today, you are still exemplifying that type of courage and um, forbearance, persistence that is so, you know, it's challenging for all of us. And that's why we, I love you so much. Let's finish up, uh, uh, Monica, with this story coming out of Baltimore that broke this weekend. There are two sidewalk counselors doing the very same thing that you and our groups do on a routine basis, and that is standing in front of the abortion centers, as you say, talking, trying to talk women out of abortion. I love that because that's exactly what we're trying to do. Um, And they were seriously injured. One of them... um, Mark Crosby, and if you would, Mr. Producer, you've got that photograph. It's very graphic. Yes, uh, it, apparently, yes, he was hurt part. very badly and went to the emergency room. And I'm going to quote from the Life, Life Site News article. It says, the plate bone in his upper right cheek is completely fractured. You can tell by the picture that there's something very badly wrong here. And he's bleeding from some unidentified area behind his eye, and the bone eye orbit is completely shattered and will have to be replaced with metal. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up, we we hear of attacks, we hear of vandalism, we hear of other things. And and before the program, you said to me, you you can't recall a more brutal assault on a pro-life activist. Now, you recall a, a gentleman, I forget his name now, in Michigan who is murdered out front of one of these. So that, that probably oh, uh, that was James, James Pullian Pullian. Yeah. Uh, James Pullian. But, but I think, out. right. He was shot out. So this was, I don't know, 15 years ago, what, but this, this does uh, appear to me to be one of the worst. And so I want you to comment on that for those of us who go out to the sidewalks, what would your advice be to them? Uh, still go. <laughs> yeah, you. right. I mean, look, look at what happens to an unborn child is 16,000 times worse than what, what could ever happen to us. That's and right. if we lose heart, uh, what does that say about our movement? I mean, look at what the, the, those who are fighting for civil rights had to put up with getting beaten, lynchings, um, you know, being the dogs turned on on them uh, when they were trying to exercise their their First Amendment rights. Come on, guys. Uh, yes. Apparently, uh, I forget. It's really too bad. I, I think the the other guy's name that was the other person who was assaulted. Dick Schaefer. His name is Schaefer. Schaefer. Thank you. Yeah. So the two of them were outside of this Planned Parenthood in Baltimore, I, they, and I think they're associated with uh, Jack Ames. Jack Ames, right? Defend life. Defend life. In fact, they were wearing the Defend Life T-shirts. Now, yeah, I've been to this bloody. abortion center myself. I've been there once or twice okay. at least. 
And yeah. there were escorts, pro-abortion escorts, apparently at the outside of the abortion center. Um, I think two guys, this was a kind of, shall I say, a kind of a hit and run uh, assault. And it, it, it was very brutal. Uh, they knocked, both of these sidewalk counselors were knocked out. And then uh, Mark Crosby was kicked, kicked. Um, I, 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 this is the way I, I, I heard it described anyway. And that, that, that caused the, the injury to his face and his eye. Um, but look, our blood has to be mixed with the blood of our Lord as he's dying on the cross for the multiplication of graces to bring an end to abortion. And, and so... We just have to continue to do what we do. I, yeah. I, I'm going to make a prediction that this is not going to be, you know, something that we're going to be facing. I think it was, I think it was a, a very unusual uh, situation. And we need to pray for uh, these two victims and, and, and frankly pray for the conversion of the, uh, the, the these pro-aborts who assaulted them. And that, and frankly, that they be caught, brought to justice. I understand that the American uh, Center for Law and Justice, uh, Jay Seculo's, um, uh, it's gonna, legal, yeah, they're going to represent advocacy group is going to be taking this case uh, go, going right. forward. So yeah. we'll hope, hope, hopefully, it'll be some justice. Well, I wanted to get your take on that. And friends, I just want you to know this. I've made this clear in many ways, and that is, if you go out to the sidewalks. You have to have situational awareness, and that is your head should be on a swivel as much as you're able. Of course, not losing sight on why you're there, which is to talk women out of abortion and to save children and rescue them, of course. But there should be certain measures put into place to try to protect yourselves. People need to have the ability to film. And even if it's just to have at the ready, you know, your own iPhone to pull out, Right. So that you can record this. And that's obviously important. Plus the buddy system, which in this case, there were two of them, which is what, you know, that's standard operating procedure. Well, Monica, I appreciate you being on the program, friends. Go to uh, the website, uh, prolifesociety.net. You can order the book, Abandoned, if you're interested in, in more stories like the ones that we talked about today uh, in her piece on Crisis in Crisis Magazine. And we'll have all the links in our descriptions of all our social media. Monica, thanks for being on the call. Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you, Mark. Okay, friends, uh, if you sidewalk counsel out front of abortion centers, I want to make an offer to you. If you do not currently have a way of filming, we will offer to you free of charge a GoPro. This is how important I think these things are in ensuring your own security. You should not be going to abortion centers either without another person there, or without the ability to film. And you can film with your iPhone, but a lot of times it's too late. So wearing a GoPro captures everything you need to capture. And if something like this were to happen to you, you have it on film and you can prosecute. Without film, it's almost like it never happened. Uh, and the idea that women won't come over and talk to you if you're wearing a GoPro is not uh, I think accurate. Now, maybe it may happen here or there, but the best thing to do there is just zip up your jacket or turn it off and let them know that you're not filming. Because filming out front of abortion centers, for that matter, any pro-life activism 
If you're not filming, you are a sitting duck for what happened to these two gentlemen in Baltimore, Maryland. So I'm making the offer now here on the Mark Harrington Show. If you're interested, you need a GoPro and you don't have one, meaning you go to the sidewalks and you don't have a way of filming, let me know. And we'll provide you a, a the uh, ability to do that if you go to my website at markharringtonshow.com, markharringtonshow.com, or pro, uh, uh, createdequal.org. So we'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to markharringtonshow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war.